You read the stats, 50% like die within two years, a third die within the first 12 months. And at the time, this guy's 37, 38, just retired and he's got three kids under 10, so straight away, you put yourself in his shoes. You're listening to the England Rugby Podcast, all two inside line. I'm Kevin Sinfield. I'm Kevin Sinfield, I'm the England defence coach. Defence coach's job, basically to oversee all our defence and help support and improve players, try to win test matches and support Steve, who's our head coach, as much as I can. What makes a good defence coach is the detail, but also how much you care about the players, how much you can instil a fight in the players, and how much you're willing to support and try and improve them every day. We've got a wonderful group of players who want to learn and get better every day, and I think that makes the job really, really easy. It's a very exciting year for England rugby. I think everybody's desperate to be a part of it, both players and staff. We want to do our very, very best and give a good account of ourselves. My name is Mara Toje. I play for Saracens Rugby Club and England Rugby. I think the most impressive thing so far about Kevin is not necessarily the way he coaches, more about the way he conducts himself as a man. You can tell he's a man of integrity. You can tell he's a man of respect, treats everyone with respect. He's definitely a man of, of principle and you can see that through almost every action that he does. Yeah, I'm probably a typical northerner. Grew up in a working-class family. Older brother and sister. I think with more siblings, without knowing, you fill a void in the household, whether that's a personality type missing or a character missing. Um, and I ended up playing the mischievous younger brother. Really happy childhood. Didn't go without anything. Didn't always get what I wanted, but I think that was a good thing. Really loving, caring parents who did everything they could to provide for us. So we come from a part of Saddleworth. Oldham is split into two sides. There's a, the Manchester side and then there's the more green side. You know, we were fortunate, grew up right on the boundary line. So we got the best of both. Yeah, just a really like enjoyable place to grow up. I've got an older brother who shared a bedroom with, who had a huge influence on me growing up. He set out on the rugby journey and I then followed as a seven-year-old and very, very quickly realised I could dive in the mud come on dirty and not get in trouble. It gave me a completely different group of friends outside of school. I think that was really important for me from a social aspect. Those relationships started early and keep in touch with a lot of those guys who I played with. Probably from being about 10, I had a rugby ball in my hand, so, you know, back then there was only four channels on the TV and you spent all your time outside and with your mates. My mum and dad did everything for the three of us. And I think it's probably not until you get a bit older you realise the influence and the role that they played. I think you often take that for granted when you're a kid and you just think it's part of the job. They were making sure that we were in as good a place as we could be. But I actually signed professional forms at 13. 
and living in Oldham, that meant a, a commute over to Leeds. And at first it was only once a week, but very quickly became four and five nights a week. I had to rely on my parents for that. And that meant, you know, my dad five times a week was taking me to Leeds as a 14 and 15 year old. It meant I spent a lot of time with my dad from being sort of 13 to when I could drive. Hours that were really valuable for us and our friendship and relationship. So I'm really grateful for that. So to see how hard they worked, how they juggled and balanced things with the three of us, it's a huge commitment for them. I got so much from that, I'd like to think that rubbed off. I certainly don't forget the role they've played in me being here in this role. And now that supports in a very different guise. They still get a lot of enjoyment out of watching the games, albeit not on the field, playing, they still get a lot of enjoyment out of watching and supporting the teams that I've been involved with. I wasn't the best kid growing up. I knew I could play, I knew I had some talent. I made my debut pretty young, I was 16. It was the day after I got my GCSE results. We had a really strong age group. I played in the, like the, the Lancashire competition with players from towns like Wigan and St Helens and Warrington, who were big rugby league towns. You know, I knew I had some talent, but there were so many other great players in my age group. Probably realised pretty quickly that I didn't want to be a bloke propping a bar up in 20 or 30 years' time and saying if only and maybe and we should have done this. So I thought, well, for the areas where I'm, I'm short, which, you know, we're across most of them, I'm going to make myself the most committed. And I bought into that and that meant, you know, training really hard. That meant focusing a lot on my own game. I meant working a lot, which probably started on that journey and was about 12, 11. It was quite young. But I had an understanding really early that I wanted to make the best of what I had. Through commitment and effort, I'll try and bridge that gap to what some of the better players have. You know, thankfully that set me up, really. To get given your debut at 16 is pretty special, but it comes down to timing and a bit of luck. The head coach who has had a lot of injuries, head coach who's got an eye for putting youth in and, and giving youth a chance, and you get thrown an opportunity and hopefully you can grab it. It was a great experience for me. Um, it made me realise again pretty quickly that I had to change and had to improve because to stay alive in the man's world, in the man's game at 16 was a challenge and I learned a whole lot of lessons that day. The journey with Leeds was a strange one because when I first started out, I was a massive Oldham fan and I was a ball boy there for three years. But for whatever reason, they didn't want to sign local lads. We're playing in the Lancashire competition. You attract interest from your Wigan, your St Helens, your Warringtons. Yorkshire clubs didn't really come and sign Lancashire lads. But given we're on the border, logistically it was a similar travel distance. Leeds came in at the 11th hour. I tripped to Headingley, walked through those, what used to be a big set of gates that just separated the cricket ground and the rugby ground. I was 13, so heavily influenced by my parents, but they fell in love with the place as soon as we walked in. It meant we were away from the politics in Lancashire, where a lot of kids had signed professionally, whereas Yorkshire clubs weren't particularly signing lots of players. They were signing a handful and working with them and trying to develop them. We very, very quickly settled in at Leeds. We were spending that much time there in the evenings. It took me a few years to cement a spot. I had a wonderful time, wonderful experience. was captain there for 13 years and just had a, a great core group of players who are really special friends. Although we're born in Oldham and Oldham's my town, Leeds is certainly my city. It's been the place where I've loved working, the place where I've got so many friends. The people of Leeds tell you exactly how it is. You know, you're not at any point 
under any illusion of what people think about you because they tell you. And I love that honesty, but the support I've had from the people of Leeds and, and the Rhinos has been incredible along the journey and still a huge part in who I am. But the friendships and memories I've, I've got from my time there have been fantastic. I love playing there, you know, it's a big part of my life. I played 19 seasons, but I was there over 20 years, you know, 24, 25 years. It helps when the team win trophies. We went through a spell of winning a number of grand finals and, and if you look back in the history of Leeds up until we won that first grand final, it had been 32 years since the club had won a championship. And to try and find something that similar is quite hard, but I suspect, you know, Man United when they won the first premiership, it's something like that when it's been years and years and years and it's such a big club, but it's had no success. So to win that first one straight away, people get behind the team. I just always had a great, appreciation of the support we got from people. They understood and valued the loyalty of not only myself, but that group of players. They saw how hard we worked every day. We didn't always win. We got stuff wrong. We made mistakes, like everybody does, but they were forgiving because they knew how hard we were trying and what it meant to us and, and how hard we were fighting. The people there, the supporters, the sponsors, I've got some really good friends who you know, have been through some really good times and some really difficult times. and. I think when people stick by you through the difficult times, it, you don't forget it, and it means a lot. We used to have these big club nights, these big club sessions where all the teams and everybody you'd sign professional would come together. The first team players were there, and then the reserve team, the academy team, and all, all the juniors who had signed. And mix you all up, and. You'd have four little games. Remember one day, this little guy turning up, he was so quick, like, didn't say a word, just was tiny and so fast. And that was Rob Burrow. And it probably wasn't until I'd have been about 18, 19, when Rob came into the academy, that he started to watch them regularly. Back then, they played before the first team games on a Friday night. You'd get there early and watch the young lads play. And Rob was just tearing up, like, this little guy, just unbelievable. And then very quickly, he made the step up into the first team and lo and behold, we sat together. That just started the friendship. I sat next to him for 15 years and went through some really tough moments in pre-seasons, in finals when you get beat, when you don't play well as a group, when one of you is injured and you're going through a tough moment. You look after each other and you care for each other. We had some wonderful times too, so you remember all that. He went from being this little quiet, shy guy to this big bundle of mischief. So funny, always quoting lines from films. Massive Michael Jackson fan, always singing Michael Jackson, always trying to tell jokes. Just good fun to be around. Real solid friend and just a real character as well. And then to have him in your team, he was the ultimate game breaker. In big moments, always delivered something for the group. It was great to play alongside, but I think the work he's done and how inspirational he's been over the last two or three years has been incredible because he's gone from this shy, private family guy to suddenly opening his front doors to the whole of the UK and to see the very raw version of what motor neuron disease does and 
been so inspirational for me. When he was diagnosed, I'd gone back to Leeds as director of rugby. So in effect, I was his boss because he was our academy coach. He'd just retired 12 months before. We still had a wonderful friendship, but we were working together. I noticed some, some things weren't quite right with him over a series of about a month and urged him to see our club doctor, which he did. You know, a couple of months later, after a series of tests, he came back with it being motor neuron disease. You know, probably about two weeks before he got diagnosed, he told me he'd Googled, like gone through all, like everybody does, he's got the, all these different symptoms and sort of tries to self-diagnose as we all would. And he came to the conclusion it was that and I'd asked the specialist and they ruled that out. The, the night I got the news, um, I knew he was due to see the specialist at half past five. I was actually joining Gareth Thomas to do a bike ride. Um, he was riding from Cardiff to Aberdeen to deliver the Sports Personality of the Year trophy and we're getting all different sports people and celebrities to go and join. I was factored in to go the next day. At seven o'clock, I'd still not heard from Rob and chased him with a text message and that's then when the news came through. Like, really, really tough to get that message. At that stage, there was only him and his wife knew. You know, I can only imagine where he was mentally. I was in a tailspin myself, jumped in a car to go and join Gareth for the following day, but I was just trying to Google it and understand what it meant. You know, I'd heard of motor neuron disease. I knew the great Doddy Weir was campaigning and understood some little bits about it, but didn't understand what it meant truly. If you read the stats, like 50% die within two years, a third die within the first 12 months. And at the time, this guy's 37, 38, just retired and he's got three kids under 10, so straight away you put yourself in his shoes. Yeah, it's, it's pretty tough. Two days after he got diagnosed, um, we went to see Doddy up in Carlisle. Doddy was just truly inspiring that day. Helped Rob so much, a lot of laughter. To see a guy who's six foot ten, alongside Rob who's five foot four, was a brilliant photograph that they had that day. A lot of laughter, but also a reality of this journey isn't going to end well, but there's a way you can fight it. Rob took that from Doddy straight away. The car journey home was a difficult one. Trying to be a mate and understanding the sort of salary Rob, Rob would have earned throughout his playing career. Understanding that rugby league players had to work when they finished the playing career. No issue with that at all. But understood that he would need some financial support and tried to put himself in his shoes of, you know, you've got three kids and you want your kids to grow up and be looked after and for his wife, Lindsay, not to have anything really to worry about other than looking after Rob and the kids. So you have that inevitable conversation of, I'm going to help you. I'll try and pull this, our group together, our old team. We're going to attack this. And straight away, the fundraising started with a big gala dinner at the Rhinos, where a lot of people from Rugby Union came, which was wonderful to support. And across British sport, you know, there were people there that truly loved Rob, but wanted to help. Then there was a game, also a good friend of ours, a good mate of mine, Jamie Jones Buchanan, had a 20-year testimonial and was due to play Bradford Bulls and the old boys said, we'll throw our boots back on and go on for the last few minutes. And you know, Rob played that day. He came on for a couple of minutes at the end, which was remarkable. And that raised some money. But then COVID hit not long after. 
On that car journey back from Carlisle, I'd promised him by Christmas 2020, and I mean, this is December 2019 at this point, we'd have an amount of money to look after the family. But because of COVID, it all stopped. And we got to late September and decided I'm going to have to do something because I promised him. Came up with the idea of running seven marathons in seven days, which number seven was all about Rob and his squad number. We try and raise 77,777. The support was just incredible. The rugby community of both codes, local people, the M&D community just jumped right behind us and before we knew it, we'd raised 2.7 million. And that was probably the start of it for me because what it meant Christmas 2020 was I woke up and those involved woke up glowing, knowing that, picturing Rob at home, knowing that what I'd promised we'd delivered on, but also that financially he had no more worries and he could watch the kids open their Christmas presents. And that was really important to me. My name's Jamie Peacock. I'm an ex-teammate of, of Kevin Synthona. I'd always knew him to be a very kind of methodical player. I've been played against him, and I think we were both two young players making our, our way, uh, you know, in the, in the difficult world of professional rugby league. And I got to meet him in the England camp, and Kev at that point, I think, was, was very quiet, very unassuming, you know, very respectful, and he set high standards for himself. I think our bond as players really began to develop when I moved to the Leeds Rhinos. So I wanted to play with this exceptional group of young players that were coming through at the time. Kevin being at the front of that, Kevin at such high levels of professionalism, demanded um, a lot from his team and just had the will to want to win and bring his best all the time. And I, I think you want to be around people like that who've got high standards. I reckon Kev was kind of our, our kind of clutch player in, in, in big games, that he had an innate ability to find the right kick at the right time. Um, you knew he'd, he'd kick the goals under pressure and he'd come up with the big players at the right time and that's all mark of great players for me. I think what Kev has done has managed to elevate himself to, I think, like almost like a national hero through not only his endeavours in sport, but just the values and commitment and self-sacrifice he's shown for Rob has become an inspiration. Kevin's friendship with Rob Burrow has really blossomed uh, during the time that Rob's been uh, diagnosed with MND. Everyone's done their own thing to look after Rob, but I think Kevin's taken it to that next level with what he's prepared to put himself through to help his friend and to help sufferers of MND. And I think you can see that love and compassion and, and care for him, him and his family, that Kev wants to make a difference however he can. And that's why it's so inspirational, I think. And so I think it touches the chord and emotion with everybody, you know, because we'd all want a friend uh, like Kev and what he's been able to do for Rob. I think when you finish playing, you struggle for a couple of years and trying to get that fulfilment back in your life. But I certainly found it that Christmas on the back of doing the marathons and helping. I realised at that point that how important helping people was in my life and how much I needed it. And actually, from a selfish point of view, it gave me fulfilment that I'd struggled to find for a number of years having finished playing rugby. At that point, I made a decision that I was going to have a career change, didn't know what or where. Not long after that, I got a phone call out of the blue to offer me the opportunity to meet Steve and go and join Leicester. So, having played rugby all my life, and in my early 40s, to then go and train in a new career 
would be really, really difficult, but I've got a chance to help people in a very different way on, on a rugby field and I'll do my best at it and hopefully I can help these guys that I'm working with now. I've been very impressed with Kevin actually since coming in. My name's Henry Slade. I play for Exeter Chiefs and England Rugby. The first time I ever heard him speak, you know, one of those people that have just sort of a presence. Obviously, he's done some fantastic things outside of rugby, which just proves how much of a, uh, a warrior he is. He's got that something about him that when he speaks, he gets listened to and he's got that respect. And just like you can't coach that, you can't buy it. He's got, some people just have it, and I guess, yeah, he's got it. I could have had a quite happy, comfortable life staying at the Rhinos, just getting on. But I think for me to really find fulfillment and go on and truly enjoy my work, I needed to go and be uncomfortable somewhere. I've been in uncomfortable every single second that I've been in rugby union, but I've loved the challenge. I've loved the people I've worked with. Steve's been incredible. The people at Leicester I worked with were brilliant. I never fancied coaching, but an understanding how much I wanted to help and support people, care for people. My time here so far, love working with the players, love working with the management team that are here. Everyone I met the RFU couldn't have been more welcoming. You know, I'm really looking forward to the future and what's to come. Rob showed me how important having fulfilment in your life is, how important helping people is and caring for people. But he also showed me that sometimes you have to take some risk and you have to be uncomfortable. You have to be prepared to put yourself out there if you want to grow and improve, and thankfully, I, you know, I took the step. You worry and concern yourself with so many other things in life that actually, in reality, they don't matter. My time with Rob reminds me of that. You know, if I'm having a tough spell or we've had a bad loss or I've not performed great in a training session when I'm coaching or I've got something wrong with a player, said something I shouldn't have said or just worded it wrong, then you can rectify a lot of that, you can fix it. Unfortunately for Rob and the family, currently he can't fix where he's at and the perspective I've had from that and also the courage I've got from him. I see him a lot now, he inspires me every time I see him. You know, he's a big England rugby fan. He ended up being a Leicester Tigers fan when I joined, so he's been a huge part in the last couple of years for me. Every time I see him, I come away with perspective what we think are problems, what we think are issues in our life, but in reality, they don't matter. Like, when, I, when I've been to see him, absolutely rubber stamps. What is important for people and health is so important. Showing people how much you care for them, spending time with people you love and respect. Families and friends, they're the bits that are important. Mm -hmm.